0: This morning, if you have a copy of God's Word, look with us to the book of Genesis, first book of the Bible, book of Genesis chapter 17, as we'll begin reading with verse 1. We're in a series talking about the names of God. God is so majestic, God is so powerful, that there are many names in the Bible telling us, describing to us who he is. And each name shows us his character. Each name shows us how we can approach him and how God can help us. In chapter 17 of the book of Genesis, we find a name used for the very first time, but will be used many other times in the Bible. <clears throat> chapter 17, verse 1. Now, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. "'Walk before me and be blameless. "'I will establish my covenant between me and you, "'and I will multiply you exceedingly.' "'Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, "'As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, "'and you will be the father of a multitude of nations. "'No longer shall your name be called Abram, "'but your name shall be Abraham, "'for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations.' And I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land of your sojourners, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possessions, and I will be their God." Pray with me. Our Father, we pray today that you'll help us to understand this name. This name, the Father, that you have revealed in this passage. That, Father, we may know who you are. And, Father, we may understand you better. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've said it before. One of my heroes of the faith is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a pioneer missionary to China. He arrived in China in March of 1854, spent 51 years in China. The society that he begun in that country, he brought over 800 missionaries. He started over 125 schools. Over 18,000 Chinese were converted to Christianity. He established over 300 stations of work with over 500 local workers. He went to a country that was hostile to the gospel, but God used him in a mighty way. In fact, maybe he, he may be one of the greatest missionary stories of all of history. I love reading about him because he trusted God in everything, even during difficult days. Hudson Taylor once said this, There are three stages in any great work attempted for God, impossible Difficult done. Impossible, difficult done. That's true. If you're going to do God's work, if you're going to do a God assignment, it begins with impossible. God, we can't do this. There's no way, God, we can do this. And then as God began to work in you and you begin to make some progress, then it becomes difficult. Well, I don't know how we can continue this. I don't know if we can finish this. And then all of a sudden, one day, it is done. God did a great work through you. It started impossible, then it became difficult, and then done. God loves to do the impossible. God loves to do the impossible through you. You know why? Because he gets the credit. If, if God only gave us assignments that we're capable of doing, we would take the credit. We would say, look at us, we're, we're talented, we're, we're gifted, or whatever it may be. But if God gives to us an impossible assignment, and then it's completed, we have to point to God. God loves to give us impossible assignments. And there is a name that God gives to us in the Scripture to help us when God gives to us God-sized assignments. As I said a few moments ago, we're in the series looking at the names of God God is so majestic, God is so mighty, He has all these different names to reveal Himself to us. And today we're going to be looking at one of the names that most Christians probably have heard, but not because of Scripture, but because of a song in the 1980s. The song was written by Michael Card and Jason and John Thompson. The song was based on Scripture. In fact, half the, the song was in Hebrew. Michael Card put it the song in the 1981 album Legacy, but most people heard it the next year when Amy Grant on her platinum certified album, Age to Age, played it. The song is El Shaddai. And again, in the 1980s, consider this. Half the lyrics are in the Hebrew language. You would have expected this to be a popular song, but it was. Everyone started singing it, it started singing it in church. In fact, it even made its way into hymn books. This song was so popular. It was a number one hit song for Amy Grant. Reached the top 10 the Billboard Christian Radio chart. El Shaddai was the song of the year. Card won the Songwriter of the Year of the Dove Award in 1983. This was a song that people listened to, and all of a sudden, they were introduced to this concept, this idea that God is El Shaddai. It is used 48 times in the Old Testament. Is a key name that God wants us to know so we can understand who he is and his power. So this morning, I want us to look at three things. I want us to look at the mentioning of the name, the meaning of the name, and then finally the message of the name. First of all, the mentioning of the name. Last week I said, when we were doing this series, there's a trend, if you look at scripture, when God reveals his name, something has been taking place. There's a pattern. It begins with this idea, first of all, the people are blessed, and they praise the Lord. Then, after that, they go through trials and tribulations, and they are perplexed, and they begin to question God. Then, during the trials, they look to God for help, and God reveals himself as he really is. Again, as I said, it is in the trials and tribulations that we learn more about God rather than the, than the mountaintops. We learned about the majesty of God in the valleys. And that's the pattern we've been seeing throughout this series. God is, will show himself when we need him the most. And so we begin this story in Genesis chapter 17. Now, to understand this text, we have to go backwards a little bit and, and give you some background. It starts back in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, we find these words. <clears throat> the Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. That's an incredible promise. God comes to Abraham, and he says to him, I'm going to bless you. You're going to be the father of a great nation. In fact, from your... This nation, the Messiah, is going to come, and all the nations will be blessed. And Abraham is blessing and praising God for this incredible this miracle that he's told Abraham, that he's going to be the father of a great nation. And God said, Abraham, I will protect you, and all the nations will be blessed because of you. What an incredible promise. That's in chapter 12. Chapter 13. God comes to Abraham, says the same thing. Chapter 13, verse 14 through 17. God repeats the promise. You're going to be the father of a great nation. Genesis chapter 15, God comes back to Abraham, tells him the same thing. You're going to be the father of a great nation. So here we find God promising Abraham, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And over and over, here's the promise, but there's a problem. Abraham doesn't have a son. I mean, God keeps telling him, you're going to be the father of a great nation, but I don't have a child. But God keeps saying, don't worry, Abraham. You're going to be the father of a great nation. So guess what? Abraham and Sarah began to doubt God. And they decided, well, we'll just take it into our own hands. We'll we'll do something in our own power. And by the way, that's the pattern. Whenever we start doubting the promises of God, we deviate from the plans of God, and then we dismiss the principles of God. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He said, I'm supposed to be the father of a great nation. It's not happening. So in chapter 15 and 16, 10 years have passed. God is silent. And so they figured, well, we have to take it in our own hands, and so they came up with a plan. So in chapter 16, Abraham has a child with their servant, Hagar, and Ishmael is born. That's not God's plan. That was not God's design. Abraham decided, I'm just going to do it my own way. I'll help God out. So now we come to chapter 17. It's about 13 years after Ishmael has been born. And God comes back and says to Abraham, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will establish my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. 13 years after Ishmael, Abraham is 99 years of age. He still doesn't have a child with Sarah. Abraham belongs to H-A-R-P, the Hebrew Association of Retired Persons. Harp, <laughs> <clears throat> for those keeping score. And he must have thought, well, God, where are you? He must have thought, well, maybe I failed to accomplish what God wanted me to accomplish. Maybe he feels like a failure. Maybe he's upset with God. We don't know. But God comes back to him in chapter 17, and nine times he will tell Abraham, I have a covenant with you. Now, a covenant is stronger than a pledge. A covenant is stronger than a promise. A covenant is not a contract between two parties. This is a covenant. A covenant is an unconditional promise based entirely on the Lord's graciousness. God took the initiative. God took the oath. He binds himself. He promised something that he cannot break. And so in chapter 17, verse 1, we see that God again initiates the covenant. Verse 2, he confirms the covenant. And then verse 7, he established the covenant. He comes back to Abraham and says, Abraham, listen, you're still going to be the father of a great nation. You're going to be the father of many nations. And to prove it, he gives Abram a new name, Abraham. And look at it again, he, he, again, he said, verse 2, you're going to be the father of a great nation, you're going to have children, Abraham, you're 99, but don't worry. There's significance, in fact, verse 6, he said, kings will come from your lineage. Verse 8, there's an inheritance, you're going to have the promised land. And in verse 5, he says, I have made you the father of many nations. That's in the past tense. It hasn't happened yet, but God is speaking as if it's already happened. Because God has made an eternal covenant. Listen, when God speaks, it's been done, even if you don't see it or not. And in that covenant, in that moment, for the very first time in Scripture, he calls himself El Shaddai, verse 1. In the New American Standard, he said, I am God Almighty. I am El Shaddai. It's a revelation of God's power. Herbert Lockyer calls this name one of the most potent and precious among all the divine names. So, what's the meaning of the name? What does El Shaddai mean? Well, it's a compound name. It has two names. It's a compound name for God. The first part is El. It's a shortened form of the word Elohim. In Genesis 1-1, when the Bible says God created everything, that's the word Elohim. It means God of all power, the God of power. El is the singular form of the word Elohim. It means the strong one. That word means strength. It means power. It means majesty. That God is the God of omnipotence. God is all powerful. God is the God who, who can make the sea or he can divide the sea. God is the one who can send a storm or he can steal a storm. God is the one that can create with a word or he can destroy it with a word. God has all power. In fact, do you remember when Jesus healed the storm in the boat? The disciples became scared. They said, who is this that even the storms listen to him? He is El Shaddai. He has all power. That word, first word, El, means power. little trivia, In, in the Netflix series Stranger Things, there's a character named Eleven, and they call her El for short, and she has power, and she has the power of the dark forces. Listen, the producers knew what they were doing calling her El. It was symbolic. This represents power. El means power. God says to Abraham, I am power. But it's more than just power. He says, I am El Shaddai. Now, what does that mean? We have a clue. When the Old Testament was translated from the Hebrew to the Greek, it's called the Septuagint, the Hebrew scholars, the Jewish scholars had to come up with a word for Shaddai. What word would they pick? And so they started looking, and they came up with ikonos, which meant all-sufficient. That's the word they use. What they're saying as they're translating this, that God is El Shaddai, that you are all-powerful and you're sufficient. You're the sufficient one. Not only that, the word Shaddai probably comes from the root word uh, Shad, which means breast, which has the idea of nurturing. So God is the God who has all power, who is sufficient, who nurtures, provides, takes care of, and sufficient to meet all of our needs. In fact, there are passages in the book of Isaiah talking about the love and the compassion of God as a nursing mother. So El Shaddai is the all-powerful God, the sufficient God, the caring God who takes care of us. 48 times in the Old Testament, he is called El Shaddai. He is the all-sufficient God. He is the almighty God. He is the God that can meet all your needs. He is the sufficient God. He is the almighty God. He is the God who has compassion toward toward you and will take care of you. So here comes God to Abraham and says, Abraham, you're going to be the father of, of, of a great nation. And Abraham says, well, I don't have any children. I mean, how can this take place? And God says, I'm El Shaddai. I have all power. I can do whatever I want. I'm all sufficient. I will take care of your needs. There's nothing too impossible for me. That's the word he gives to Abraham. Abraham, I will keep my covenant. I will keep my promise because I am El Shaddai. The meaning of this word is God is all we need, and God will help us do what God wants us to do. So, what's the message of the name? And what difference does it make to us? What does this tell us about God? How does this name change us? Well, there are many ways, but let me give you a few. Because God is El Shaddai when you are hopeless, you have hope because God is El Shaddai. When you have, when you're hopeless, you have hope. I mean, Abraham is hopeless. He's an old man. He said, there's no way we have a child. And God says, look, you're going to be the father of a great nation. There is no hopeless situation when I'm in the, in the scene. I mean, Abraham said, well, what can I do? God said, no, nothing. Don't worry. By every definition, this is a hopeless situation. But El Shaddai showed up. Abraham had to rely on El Shaddai because, you see, Abraham's hope wasn't in himself because he had no hope in himself. He's in a hopeless situation. His hope is in El Shaddai. Listen, this morning, if your hope is in yourself, you're in a hopeless situation. If your hope is in your talents and your abilities and, or your income or whatever it may be, I promise you, you're going to be in a hopeless situation. But if your hope is in El Shaddai, you'll never be in a hopeless situation. You'll never face a hopeless situation. As long as you have El Shaddai. I love the the story of the man who walked up to a little league baseball game. and He asked the boy in the dugout, he said, what's the score? And the boy said, well, 18 to nothing, but we haven't batted yet. And uh, he said, I bet you're discouraged. He said, didn't you hear me? We haven't batted yet. That's the image. We haven't batted yet. That's not discourage. You see, when God is in the situation, when we feel hopeless, God is still active. He hasn't finished yet. The game's not over yet. Because of El Shaddai, we are never going to be in a hopeless situation because when El Shaddai shows up, he makes the impossible possible. He is totally sufficient to supply all of your needs, and you will never be hopeless. Number two, because God is El Shaddai, when you're weak, you have strength. Because of El Shaddai, when you're weak, you'll have strength. Remember what El Shaddai means? It means power. God has power, which means when we are our weakest, that's when God uses us. You know, a lot of times we think God uses our strength. God doesn't use our strength. God uses our weaknesses. When you are weak, that's when you rely on God, isn't it? If you are relying on your talents, you're relying on your income, you're relying on your ability, you do all the work. But when you face a situation, you can't do anything, what do you do? You go to God. You call on the name of the Lord. And God gives you strength. Why? Because he is El Shaddai. Now, I want you to remember three things about God's power this morning. Number one, God's power means he cannot be stopped from doing what he purposes to do, okay? God's will is gonna get done. The book of Daniel chapter four, the Bible says, the most high does according to his will in the host of heavens and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can stop his hand. God's will is always gonna be done. You cannot stop God's will. Satan cannot stop God's will. The world cannot stop God's will. Nothing will ever stop the purpose of God. So even if we are weak, God can use us. Abraham is going to be the father of a great nation. Nothing was going to stop that. God had made a promise. Number two, God's power means he does whatever he pleases. God's power means he does whatever he pleases. In fact, the Bible literally says that in Psalm 115, verse 3. Our God is in heaven. He does what he pleases. Whatever God wants, God can do. El Shaddai is not like us. There are things I want to do, I can't do. I'm not talented enough. I don't have the ability. But God can do whatever God so pleases. It pleased God that Abraham and Sarah was going to have a child, and they are going to have a child. Nothing was going to stop that. Because he is the Almighty, he will do what he pleases. It makes no difference about our weaknesses. Third, the power of God is superior to all other powers. The power of God is superior to all other powers. There's no power above God's power. Therefore, we are not to be intimidated by false gods, by Satan, by the demonic forces, or by the world. We're not to be intimidated by individuals or by groups because God is more powerful. Rabbi Joseph Schneerson was a leader during the Roman uh, during the Russian Communist Party days. He was jailed many times for his faith as he told people to follow God. One morning in 1927, outside Leningrad Synagogue, he was arrested by the police, taken to the police station, and was tortured. They told him to quit talking about God, and he refused. Finally, the interrogator took a gun and put it in his face and said, this little toy has made many a man change his mind. And the rabbi responded, this little toy can intimidate only that kind of man who has many gods but one world. Because I have only one God in two worlds, I'm not impressed by that little toy. That's El Shaddai. I'm not intimidated by the Communist Party. I'm not intimidated by a gun. I'm not intimidated. God gave us power. When we are weak, we become strong. Finally, because God is El Shaddai, when you think God has forgotten you, you will remember God hasn't forgotten you. When you think God has forgotten you, you will remember God hasn't forgotten you. God is El Shaddai. He's the almighty, he's the sufficient, he's the nurturing God, he's the compassionate God. How could God forget you? You know, sometimes we think, well, God must have forgotten about me. No, God hasn't forgotten about you. As a believer, you're a child of God and God has not forgotten about you. He knows your name, he knows your, what you're going through, he knows everything about you. Now, I'm sure Abraham may have thought that. It'd been 10 years, they not heard from God, but maybe God moved away, maybe God something happened to God. Where is God? For 10 years, there was silence And then God appears and said, I'm El Shaddai. I haven't forgotten about you. You may be here this morning and you are thinking God has forgotten about you. Maybe you've messed up. Maybe you did what Abraham did, the Ishmael syndrome. You took matters in your own hands and you messed up. And you're thinking, well, God has forgotten about me. No, He hasn't. God's still there. You may be hurting. You may be lonely. You may be confused. You may be wondering, God, are you still there? And God is still there. How do I know? He's El Shaddai. It makes a difference if we know God is there. There's a legend. I don't know if it's true or not. There's a legend from the Cherokee that they would test a child to become a man. And they would take a boy and they would take him into the woods and they put him on a log and they would blindfold him and leave him alone in the woods. Now, he couldn't cry out. He couldn't cry and he couldn't take off the blindfold till the morning if he did he wasn't a man and all night you can imagine he's out in the woods at night with a blindfold he's hearing all the the sounds and he can't cry out and thinking of well, this I'm going to die out here and then when morning comes he would take off the blindfold and there he would see his father sitting in front of him he'd been watching him all night Oh, if only I knew my father was out there watching me, I wouldn't have been scared. If only I knew my father was watching me, I I wouldn't have gone through all those terrors at night. Do you realize your Heavenly Father, the El Shaddai, is watching you daily? Why are we concerned? Why do we worry? We need to know that our Heavenly Father, the El Shaddai, is watching us and taking care of us, and He has not forgotten us. Again, are you tired? Frustrated? You caught the Ishmael syndrome trying to help God out? You think God has forgotten you? Maybe God had made your promise and he hasn't fulfilled the promise yet. He's still the El Shaddai. You know, one of the most popular things now to save money in businesses and churches, they're using motion detector lights. You know, the lights come on when you come in the room, as long as there's motion, the lights stay on, there's no motion, the light goes off. Do you realize that when the lights are off, there's still power in the room. The power hasn't gone away. The power is still there. The power is available. But nothing happens until motion is detected. In the same way, God is still there, God is still powerful. But He needs to detect motion on our part, motion toward Him, motion in faith. Motion to say, God, we're still here. That's when power comes into our life. We must trigger the use of His power by motion. And for some of you this morning here, and some of you online, you need to start this motion by coming to God. You need to realize that God sent His Son to die for you. Especially if you're online, if you would text the word today at 270 398 5005, if you want to give your life to Christ today by saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I know Jesus died for me on that cross 2,000 years ago, was buried on the third day he arose. And I confess, I give him everything. Will you make that decision? Will you make that motion coming toward him by texting the word today? If you're here this morning, will you make the motion? When we begin singing and just come to the front, talk to me or one of the ministers saying, I need to give my life to Christ today. Or I need to join this church today. Or maybe you need to have that motion because there's a sin in your life you haven't dealt with. That sin is hindering you, and you know it. And you need to have that motion to come before God, privately or publicly, publicly saying, Lord, I need to confess my sin. I need the El Shaddai in my life. Will you make that decision this morning? Are you standing by your heads? He's the El Shaddai. He's the powerful God, the sufficient God, the nurturing God. He hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't let you down. He hasn't left you. He's still with you. And like Abraham, you need to just pause and remember the promises. Promises that God says, I will forgive you if you bring your sins to the cross. The promise that God says, I will save you for eternity if you come to the cross. The promise, I will give you peace, I will give you joy if you surrender everything to me. But you cannot hold on to the world, you cannot hold on to your sins. You got to let go to come to me. He's the El Shaddai, He's the God who's calling you this morning to come to Him. He's the El Shaddai that wants you to know that he loved you so much he sent Jesus to die for you and he wants to spend eternity with you will you give your life to him this morning father we thank you so much that you reveal this name to us that you are the El Shaddai you're the God who gives us promises and promises you'll never break and father one of the greatest promises you ever gave that you'll never leave us that you're with us always to the end of the age Speak to us now, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.